If you're a pastor, elder, deacon, nonprofit board member, or business owner, I need you to listen to this. K&K Furnishings needs to be on your shortlist. K&K Furnishings are committed to helping you find the right furnishings for your church or organization. These guys specialize in quality worship seating, welcome centers, cafes, nurseries, classrooms, as well as stage and podium furnishings. The two owners have over 70 years of combined pastoral experience, so not only will every transaction be handled with integrity and professionalism, but they have the experience to provide you with the perfect solutions for your furniture needs, and they absolutely understand your budget constraints and demands. K&K Furnishings are devoted to providing you quality pieces that save you money. They can do this because they don't have the overhead of a brick and mortar store and they have relationships with over 200 manufacturers nationwide. Look, we all know there's a lot of junk out there. K&K understands that many times bargains aren't true money savers. They end up costing you more in the long run. At K&K, they believe that quality furnishings don't have to be outrageously expensive. And here's the best part. K&K Furnishings sells nationally and can also provide in-person consultations in Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. If you can't meet in person, they'd be happy to set up a Zoom consultation for you today. So whatever your next project is, whether it's your home office or your church sanctuary, K&K Furnishings is the only place you need to look. Go to www.kkfurnishings.com to see how they can help you or call 567-318-4520. That's www.kkfurnishings.com or call 567-318-4520 or click on the link in the description of this episode. K&K Furnishings, furnishing business, education, worship, and hospitality for the glory of God. Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, I got to tell you about Jacob's Supply. Jacob's Supply is the place you got to go for all of your material needs. These guys bring you construction supplies and appliances for up to 50% off retail price, all brand new. Your home builder needs some lumber? Jacob's Supply has you covered. You a deacon at your church and you're in charge of that next Narthex floor job? Jacob's Supply has got you. Heck, they got Cortec Luxury Vinyl Plank right now for $3.59 a square foot. Go look that stuff up at Lowe's or Home Depot, man. That stuff is selling for $7 to $8 a square Square foot. That's over 50% off retail. Even if you just have some home projects you're working on, Jacob Supply is the place for you. I just built an outdoor grilling area this spring for that old smoker and grill. Guess where I got the metal roof, lumber, and screws? Yeah, that's right, Jacob Supply. Looking for a fridge, stove, washer, dryer? They got them all, and their name brand. Samsung, Bosch, Frigidaire, all 20, 30, 40% off retail. Brand new and ready for you. Located in Temperance, Michigan, it's worth it to stop by even if you're a few hours away. And remember, Jacob Supply can ship products nationally too. So even if you're out of state, you gotta check them out. Follow them on Facebook at Jacob Supply or call them direct at 734-224-0978. That's 734-224-0978. 0978. Remember, Jacob Supply, quality building materials at wholesale prices. And now, on to the show. Oh, I love it. Yes. Look at Jason isn't here with us, but he's here in spirit. He's the one who recorded that intro for us. So uh, it's just me again, guys. Welcome to another episode of Dead Men Walking Podcast. Just Greg in studio. Uh, Jason had some work scheduling conflicts, but he's going to be back soon. I know you guys have been reaching out to us and going, hey, where is that smooth baritone Jason Hamlin at? He'll be back very soon. But we are going to get right into the show today uh, because we got a good one. Um, I'm excited to have this guest on. I'm so glad that uh, he set aside some time for us. If you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you know, obviously, we talk about theology, politics culture, all those things can't really be avoided. I'm a local elected official and I'm always involved in those things. And and we discuss those things here on the podcast. Well, we've got a treat in 
Well, not in studio, but on the line here, um, we have Garrett Soldano, Garrett from Michigan.com. He is a candidate for governor in the great state of Michigan. Garrett, how are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And I appreciate the time. Can you give our listeners just maybe a one or two minute bio of who you are, where you come from and what you're all about? Yep. Uh, I was raised in a small country town called Onstead, Michigan. Um, after that, I went to Western Michigan University, played football, had a really successful collegiate career, um, signed a free agent contract after my collegiate career with the Chicago Bears. Unfortunately, I was cut, um, decided to go back to chiropractic school. Um, then my wife and I, who was also a collegiate athlete at Western, she played volleyball. We landed uh, around in the Kalamazoo area, and we've been here for 14 years. Awesome. You know, Chicago Bears, like I always said, I grew up in Michigan, so of course I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Uh, that's my running dad joke. Anyone in Michigan who's been uh, had to sit around with the Lions. So Chicago Bears, that's fine. That's a good team. That's cool. I didn't know that about you. Uh, very interesting. I did watch some clips uh, of your videos on uh, line, and I do like the, uh, you know, you're working out, you're boxing, you're running, you're active. I'm like, Golly, that's more than what we've got in the executive branch in Michigan or in D.C. right now. I need someone who's active, ready to go, who's a fighter. It's one of the reasons why I'm excited about you and wanted to have you on. Um, just a little bit of my backstory as we get into the first uh, bit of it is I'm a real estate broker and I was classified as non-essential in March uh, of 2020, which, uh, you know, I... I I, I said, I'm not listening to an authoritative governor like that. I'm going to do what I need to do to support my family. You took a different approach and you actually, and we're going to get into this. You actually uh, did something about it um, and uh, really raised a ruckus in Michigan, which I absolutely love. But first and foremost, I, I want to ask you, why are you running for governor? What is it that uh, says to you, okay, I need to get in there and I need to do something? What are the reasons for it? Well, there's many reasons. You know, obviously, you know and are well aware of we've been standing up and uh, against Governor Whitmer for almost two years now. That's how long we've been in the battle with her and her unconstitutional executive orders and lockdowns and everything else that's been going on. But I always tell people, you know, if you go back to the very beginning, back in January and February, in, I, it's really hard to find this video now. They take it down off YouTube. It's not there. I actually had to go to, um, I think the Daily Mail still had it up. I screen recorded, but the video that was out of China with this virus and what it was basically pro projected to be like, and it was that video of that person falling dead in the streets. And then they had some scary movie um, or scary music in the background where they were showing people dead in the grocery aisles and dead in the sidewalks. And literally, they played that video 24-7 for months, and it scared the heck out of our society so much, in fact, that when they locked us down, everybody said, okay, you know, maybe we should lock down. Um, we don't want to overwhelm the hospital system. That kind of makes sense. But as the March went on and early April started to uh, take place, we started to hear rumors and stories that the hospitals were empty. Um, that some of them were going to close down because they didn't have any work. And then the governor denied FOIA requests and wouldn't give the legislature any uh, information of what was going on. And, you know, the, the straw that broke my camel's back um, was when on April 9th, when she extended a state of emergency, she was telling us what we could and couldn't buy. You remember, you know, you yes. could buy paint and malt, you die of COVID and um, you could go on a kayak, but not a motorboat because you die of COVID. And God forbid you touch that gas station pump handle, you die of COVID. So mm. like many people, I was waiting for somebody in a position of authority, somebody in a position of power, one of our elected officials to stand up. And all I heard was crickets. Wow. And that's when I decided to stand up and start that Facebook group. 
Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. So talk about the Facebook group, uh, because that just grew exponentially. Um, I, I think I was in that first 100,000 wave when I saw it come across. I said, I got to keep an eye on this. Someone has to do something. Um, you know, and I did some things at my county level with resolutions as a county commissioner. We're the legislative arm of the county, and we wrote some things in a resolution saying, look, we're not going to fund the sheriff or the health department if they do anything unconstitutional. So lockdowns and things like that were not enforced in Monroe County. I wish more county commissioners would have thought that way, but I digress. Let's talk about that Facebook group. So what exactly was that, and, and what did that accomplish? Well, just to reflect back on what you said about your job not being essential, I hate that word. You I know. know. Every single person who provides a living for their family, you're putting food on the table, your job is essential. But I went on there at 3.36 in the afternoon on Thursday, April 9th, and I, I call it a hissy fit video. I don't even remember what I said because Facebook took <laughs> us down. I did like a five-minute little rant on how this wasn't right, people. People need to get back to work. And that night I went home to my wife and she's like, what the heck did you do? And I was like, well, I started a Facebook group. She's like, why? I said, because I had to get something off my chest. And that's one thing that we thought we were is we thought we were very, very alone. And mm. the silent majority is no longer silent. We're awakened. We're engaged. We're passionate. And that night, 500 fellow Michiganders uh, joined that group. And I looked at my wife and I was like, holy cow, we're not alone. And that next morning, it was 5,000. That night, it was 100,000. The second night, 200,000. The third night, 300,000 people. And then I looked at my wife. I said, what the heck did we do? Um, <laughs> because there was a lot of energy, a lot of frustration, a lot of passion. And so as the leader of this newfound movement, I wanted to make sure that we directed this energy um, towards something that we could get done. And that was to put pressure on the legislature in that first week to not extend the state of emergency. And we achieved that. Yeah, man, that is so good. Here's here's the difference. And for the people listening too, one of the reasons why I was drawn towards your campaign and really started looking into you as as I'm a fan of of action. Uh, you know, words are fun. We can have debates and we can make snarky remarks and we can, you know, joke around and say we're going to do things, but people who actually do things and someone like you who was doing it, uh, you know, I, you're a family man, you own a business like on your own free time. It's not like you were getting paid. It's not like you were a lobbyist. It's not like you were elected at that point. And unfortunately, I agree with what you said. There was absolute crickets and, and look at a lot of people. Yeah. The first couple of weeks of that, the first maybe month or so we said, okay, let's just let's assess. Right. But after those first couple of weeks and you saw things not, you know, not being what they were portrayed to be common sense kicked in for, I think the, the majority of Michiganders and someone like you who took action and said, look at, we have to hold the legislature's feet to the fire. I think that was not only a, a very positive thing, but it was something that a lot of people don't want to do uh, or, or won't do it. Or they're scared to do it. They don't want the whatever, you know, whatever reason. It just seems like there should have been more people doing something. And you were one of the few that actually did something. So that was two years ago. Let's br bring it up to speed here a little bit. So now you're running for governor. Um, if someone comes up to you, let's say you know, they're, they're an independent, maybe they're a soft Democrat, you are running in the Republican Party, and they say, what makes you different? Why should I vote for you? Um, what are some things that you tell them? Well, I just reflect back anybody that wants my voter support from this day forward, I'm just simply going to ask them, what did you do in 2020? Mm. You know, did you stand up and it was unpopular to do so, but you did so because of those very words that were inked on that piece of paper called the Constitution of these United States, that contract between the government and the people, or did you just stay silent? Did you enforce these lockdowns? Were you actually out on the street ticketing people and shutting down businesses? Or did you stand up? 
Because you're right, a lot of people are afraid to stand up, but we can no longer be on the sidelines and the bleachers. We are one election cycle from losing this republic. And so now it's time for ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And we can no longer rely solely on our government to take care of us. It's time for we the people to activate. It's time for we the people to engage and get this thing back to what it should be, a government that is for the people, by the people, right? And so... If you reflect back on my final decision to run, um, I tell you what, in November of 2020, you know, the governor, if she would have just slowly opened up like the rest of the union was doing, I don't think anybody could have beat her. There's so many people that bought in this narrative um, and a lot of people, um, and I believe this too, just like what you said, a lot of the elected officials in the beginning kind of get a get out of jail free card with this. They didn't know what this was going to do, but as time went by and the true science and data started to come out, we start to realize, hey, you know what? Lockdowns aren't the way to go. Mandates aren't the way to go. And if she would have just opened up in November 2020, she would have been untouchable. But she decided to double down and yeah. she canceled Thanksgiving yeah. and Christmas, canceled our children's experiences, their opportunities and dreams, shut our restaurants down to 25% uh, 25 capacity, even though all the neighboring states around us were open. Indiana, Ohio, Wisconsin. So I guess COVID just hated Michigan and wouldn't cross the border. And so when she <laughs> locked us down again, I knew I had to do something, um, especially when she went to the inauguration with her two daughters, do as I say, not as I do, right? Yeah. And then uh, she just continued to be the gift that kept on giving, um, getting caught out in a restaurant with 12 of her friends. And then she finally released the uh, the restaurants from their, or their lockdowns on that Monday. So I looked at my wife in December. I said, I got to do something. Um, I don't know what it was. City council, state rep, school board. And she looked at me. She's like, Garrett, you got to run for governor. And I looked at her and I said, are you nuts? <laughs> right. And a lot of people who can follow me from the beginning, they realize, you know, you remember I when I stood up, it was very unpopular to do so. This was supposed to wipe out 10% of Americans, which is 30 million people. And yep. so we went through the death threats. I had to take my family to uh, undisclosed locations twice because we got uh, a guy on video saying he was going to come down and shotgun me dead in the streets and make my family pay. They attacked my business. They tried to take my license. They physically attacked my business. So we went through all that hate, all wow. that negativity. Um, and I just knew when you run for governor, it's going to multiply by a thousand fold. And thank goodness I have an unbelievable woman at home. She's my better three quarters. Yeah. Um, and we've been really good at, uh, you know, kind of sheltering my, my young boys. I have a 14 and a 12 year old from kind of this insanity over the past two years. Um, but they're, they're on board and we know why we're fighting. And obviously when you run for governor and God bless every single person out there who wants to throw their hat in the ring, because it is a horrible, evil game out there. Yeah. Um, but I have a one heck of a support and foundation at home that uh, is definitely my strength. And I do appreciate that. And for the listeners, you guys have to realize when you when you are involved, if you're not involved in politics, you don't understand how cutthroat it is, how much time it takes if you're actually going to serve the people and be a public servant. Um, you know how, how much backstabbing there is, how much gossip and false rumors and lies and all kinds of stuff come at you. And that's why I appreciate what you're doing because you could have just sat at home. It looks like you got a pretty good life going there. You got a family, you got a wife, you got a successful business. Uh, you could have just said, Hey, not me. Uh, you know, well, whew, this is over. We got through it. Yeah. A lot of bad things happened. A lot of illegal unconstitutional things happened at the executive level in Michigan, but okay, I'm just going to go back to back to normal as we say. Right. And you said, no, I'm going to fight. And that's why I think, um, 
as many people need to be exposed to your campaign as possible because we have a rich history in the United States of politicians who were not politicians, elected officials, uh, who were not elected officials from the outside coming in and being absolutely great public servants because why they're serving with passion from their heart, not to get ahead, not to make a paycheck, not to get a retirement, not to get notoriety, not to get the free uh, trips and dinners. But they say, look, I have a passion for this country. I have a passion for freedom. And I think that resonates with people. When you talk, would I be wrong in saying this really is a passion for you? And that's the reason why you're running. I wonder if you give me the chills when you say that, because if you want to make God laugh, you tell him your plans. This was not (laughs) my 20 year plan. Um, you know, a few years ago, if you would have told me, Garrett, you're going to be running for governor, I would have laughed you right out of the room. I would have put a million dollars down on a bet that said, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way I'd ever want to get involved with politics. Um, but again, it, it, from everything that we went through, you know, there's there's bigger things at stake now. And just like I tell everyone, you know, it, it's time to stand up. You, you cannot sit on the sidelines. You cannot be in the bleachers anymore. You have to get involved. And that, that that's at every level. Um, we got to get away from this mentality that these elected officials are going to save us. It's the people. And that's yeah. why I'm a statesman. And I will always be the statesman for the Michigan people because I represent them. And it's going to take a village. It's going to take all of us to do that. And that means you get engaged your school board, your city councils, um, your state legislature, every single organization that you can to, to stand up for what you believe in. And, you know, we have to do that on both fronts now at the local level and then we have to do it at the state level. But again, it just comes down to, yeah, you're right. You know, it's anybody can do this. You know, they truly yeah. can. It, it is a lot of work. Um, there is sacrifice and it's there's a lot of commitment, obviously. But again, we know what we're fighting for and why we're fighting. And that uh, that trumps my 20 year plan. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So philosophically and constitutionally, I think we're on the same page and you're opposite of the current governor. You you do not believe in personal property being seized or being stopped or, or having a, a public entity or executive branch being able to shut down businesses, right? We, we've established that. So if you've got a voter that comes up to you and says, okay, that's good. I'm on board with that. What other plans do you have when you are sworn in uh, as governor to move Michigan forward or to take care of that budget or to fix infrastructure? Do you have anything on your kind of your bullet plan of what you want to see in the executive in Michigan when you're sworn in as governor? Absolutely. So here's I made a vow to the state of Michigan a year and a half ago. I said I would not quit until we restore the checks and balances to make sure that no governor can ever do this again. You know, I'm the guy running right now to limit the executive branch's power, and we're going to do just that. A governor will never, ever be able to weaponize the health department again to hammer down on our businesses. But that's one thing we have to do is we got to make Michigan a free state. And so that's the foundation right there. We're building the skyscraper, which we all know that Michigan can be, and that's the powerhouse of this of this union. And so we have a foundation. It's called the Constitution. And as Michigan's next governor, I'm going to protect those unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that our creator bestowed upon each and every one of us. Mm. That's our foundation. Floor one. Floor one. And I know this is going to sound like an oxymoron, but it's truth and transparency. Um, Governor Whitmer, if you reflect back in 2018, she said um, when she ran that she was going to be the most transparent governor in the history of Michigan. And she came out with this plan called Sunshine Plan. Yeah. And um, she, she got none of it done. Zero. Out of all the points that she wanted to get done, zero she has done. So we came up with Sunshine Plan 2.0 and we expanded on it. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to make sure that these FOIA requests are streamlined with the executive and legislative branches. People deserve to know what's going on. I like it. Um, another thing that we're going to do is we're going to open the books in Lansing. We're going to find out who's lobbying who, what uh, special interest groups are donated to what campaign and what these candidates, what's the, what, what are they spending this money on? The people deserve to know this. And the 501c4 slush funds, the the dark money, as we always hear about it, who's who's funding that? Yeah. So we're going to open open the books um, to allow people to really understand what's exactly going on, because we are 50th in this United States with transparency. And that's a that's horrible. Yeah. And we have to restore um, um, our 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 belief in government. And I think that's why I'm the candidate to do just that is I think we lost faith in our government. A lot of us have. And it's my job to get in there and bring truth and transparency. And we need. We need people to run for the right reasons. You kind of hit on it. We don't want politicians anymore. Like everyone listening right now, I'm done with the silver spoon politicians. I'm done with these elitists. I want Americans now. I want people who love this country, love this flag, that's going to serve the people, not for a political narrative, not for a political career or agenda, but because it's the right thing to do. And so we are going to pass this in Sunshine Plan 2.0 that legislatures or any future governor cannot make any money off any of the bills that they pass for up to five years after they're done. That's going to knock all the self-interest out of the government yeah. to get people to do it for the right reasons. If we have truth and transparency and we secure that foundation, that's when we can do some amazing things. Because who in their right mind would want to come back here and start a business with the threat of the next lockdown, the next cold and flu season by the health department? And you hit on it, too, when you just said, I'm not the candidate that's going in there and balancing the budget. I'm cutting the budget. And this is a Republican problem. Over the last three years, they have raised the budget, I think, 31 to 33 percent. And what we have right now is we have Governor Whitmer, who's actually acting like a moderate Republican right now with her daddy's credit card, spending all this COVID money. We had a deficit before all these bailouts. Now she has a surplus and she's just trying to undo all of her damage. But here's my question. What are you going to do when the credit card runs out? Where's your tax revenue going to come from? We have a mass exodus of people leaving this state, and that includes businesses. So we have to attract those people back. I'm all about President Trump's America's First agenda, but as Michigan's next governor, it's about Michigan first. Yeah, we're competing with Kentucky, Tennessee, which just took eleven thousand of our jobs. We're con- we're competing with DeSantis and Abbotts of Texas. It's about putting the Michigan people first. Yeah. And so as we're cutting the budget, we're making the the, the businesses. Um, we're attracting them back here. Excuse me. The last thing that we need to do to secure our future, and nobody's talking about this except for me, is we have to start investing into our energy infrastructure, Greg. Yeah, that's it. We have to start investing. We cannot um, just depend on solar and wind. It can complement the grid. But the only energy dense solutions that we have right now that are on the table is nuclear and gas. They're already phasing out coal. So those are the only logical explanations that we have and solutions until something comes about. You know, you can't tell me that you're going to plug in our whole automobile fleet by 2030 to 2050, and you're going to power that with solar and wind. It's just not feasible. Yeah. And so we need to start having some foresight. And that's why we're getting a, a business owner in there and somebody with some entrepreneur spirit to start thinking outside the box and, and take some calculated risk on how to dig Michigan out of this hole. Yeah. You know, as you were saying that, I'm, I'm, I was just thinking, I, I think this was a, either a tweet or a post that I had seen by you. And and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but you said if 2020 and coronavirus taught us anything, it was how important 
a go- how important a governor is just as important as voting for a president. Uh, something to that aspect. Correct. I think it was you or someone maybe from your campaign. And I just went, if more people understood that, uh, that, that we are, you know, that's how the United States was designed. Each state is its kind of its own little country. We have a president right now that thinks that uh, she can, you know, stop private business and overtax and all these things. And it's extremely important uh, who we vote for in this governor's race. Uh, you're exactly right. So as we're moving on here, too, I, I think I'm safe to say um, you're conservative. Uh, you adhere to the Constitution. So why are those two things important in a, in, a, in a governor candidate? And what would you say to people who may just go, look at I don't like either one of those C words. I'm all the way on the other side, and I don't think they're important at all. Well, they're never going to vote for me anyways. And there's 40% <laughs> of people out there that are going to follow Governor Whitmer right off the cliff. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, what we need right now in the state of Michigan and in our country, in my humble opinion, is unity. We need to get away from this um, belief that if you don't agree with everything that I believe in, then I hate you. I'm going to attack you and I'm going to shut down your business and I'm going to cancel you. Mm. And we got to get away from that. Oh, if we don't, if we don't unite because divided we fall and because we're divided, they have control over all of us. And you're right. Elections have consequences. And I'm going to take it a step further. Um, and hey, look, it's the power comes from the local level. It's the townships and counties. If you want power, go be a constitutional sheriff, you know, and you're right. The federal government is trying to rule over all of us. And as Michigan's next governor, I'm in charge of those state lines. And we're going to make sure there's not no federal government overreach. But Bottom line, it comes down to the local level and the townships and the counties where the most power is. And people have to realize that. But bottom line, we need to start having conversation again. And we need to have conversation from a variety of different people and backgrounds and experiences to move not only the state forward, but our country forward. And we're not holding the line anymore. I don't even like that that term. Yeah. We're, we're taking back lost ground now. Yeah. And we're always on the offensive. And that's that's what I've been doing for the last two years is nonstop on the offensive, taking away her her very law, the 1945 law that she was using to unilaterally control over all of us. And that's when I really believed in my heart and soul, the power of the people. When we collected those five hundred and thirty nine thousand signatures with the Unlock Michigan campaign um, to take away that law, because we're taught that, Greg, right? Yeah. When we're taught and well, we, we used to be taught that they, I guess they're, they're trying not to teach that anymore, that the power comes from who the people, the people. Yeah. And I, I heard that, but I don't know if I truly believed it until I saw the people in action. And so many people come up to me and say, Garrett, you inspire me. You inspire me. I look at them. I said, no, you inspire me. Yeah. It, it's what we do together. And when they accomplished that citizens petition in record time, that's when it, I the, the synapse was created and the belief was created that the power is with the people. And we all have to realize that. But you know what? What we're getting right now is we have all of these old school Democrats and liberals coming into our movement right now. And these are the people I call them the JFKs of the world. Yeah. Um, they would be considered moderate Republicans in today's standards. But <laughs> right. I get so many times that, you know, I've never voted for a Republican, but I'm voting for you. I've never donated to a campaign, but I'm donating to yours. And that allows me to understand that our message of unity is resonating. And one quick story before we move on, I had a a pro-choice woman contact me and say, well, you said you would have conversation with me, even if you're pro-life. I said, absolutely. The woman drove two and a half hours to my next meet and greet that weekend. And she came in all proud, like she was going to get a confrontation with me. And she came up and she shook my hand and she looked me in the eyes. She said, I'm pro-choice. I said, well, I'm pro-life. Nice to meet you. And she's like, I was the woman online 
that asked you to have conversation with me? I was like, absolutely. We talked for 35 minutes. And do you think I changed her belief? Probably not. Do you think she changed my belief? No. She hugged me and she said, you got my vote. I never voted for a Republican before, but I'm voting for you. So people are done with this division. They're done with this fringe left and fringe right and this constant fighting. We just need to sit down and hear each other out again. And look, you're not going to change my belief on the Constitution. You're not going to change my belief on pro-life and the Second Amendment and all those core beliefs that I have. However, if you have a great idea on how to invest into our energy infrastructure or how to stimulate our economy or how to get our schools to follow through and stop teaching CRT and start teaching our kids critical mass skills and critical science um, skills, then I'm going to listen. You know, we may not agree on everything, but I'm going to hear you out. And if you have something to bring to the table, I'm all ears. Let's go. Yeah. And all that information can be found at GarrettForMichigan.com. That's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-F-O-R-M-I-C-H-I-G-A-N.com. And I just want to stress one more time for those listening, uh, Garrett is really underplaying uh, his effectiveness in his role in that Unlock Michigan. You know, halfway through 2020 or three quarters of the way through, we said, oh, good, in Michigan, we got some reprieve because that uh, that law that uh, Gretchen was using was, uh, they, they ruled, no, she can't use it. That was all Garrett. I mean, not all Garrett, but that he, he he started that. And uh, like I said, men of action is what you look for when you're looking for uh, men in leadership positions. And I just want to make that clear. I know you're being humble, but I want the listeners to understand, especially, you know, 80% of our listeners are in Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio. You guys have to realize that we have someone on the line right now that actually did something and you felt the effects of it. So I just wanted to say that. All right, as we wrap up here, Garrett, uh, your faith. So does your faith affect the way you would govern at all? And maybe you could just give us a little 30 second or 60 seconds on uh, your faith and where your background is. And would that affect the way you lead or govern? Well, I think every faith has those, you know, important rules of always help, right? Always help those who can't help themselves. Always stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. Always do what's right. Even if it may not be, it may be unpopular to do so, follow through. So absolutely, I'm Catholic. That's my background. Um, And yeah, I have those core beliefs and values that are imprinted on my very heart and very soul. And so I'm always going to follow through with to do what's right for the people. And I'm always going to follow my heart. Um, And that's why with my campaign, we're we're not the type of campaign that's going to attack people's character. Um, I'm not going to sling mud at other campaigns. Now, look, I'll attack policy. I will attack the wrong decision. I will attack inaction and I will attack the wrong action. But I'm never going to attack character or sling mud at other people. That's just not who I am. And that doesn't go with what I believe in with my faith. But we all have to remember, folks, our creator bestowed upon us those unalienable rights. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That, that's what it is. And that's what we're fighting for. And that's what we're standing up for. And my goodness gracious, this, this election in the state of Michigan, we have to win this, this round. If not, we're, we're in trouble. And that's what we have to do because the president that's in there right now, it usually takes a president years to screw up a country. This guy's done it in months. And so that's how important this battleground state is because as Michigan's next governor, I have a huge responsibility to not only lead, but to turn Michigan around because this is the power of the people. Because as we turn Michigan around and we start doing great things in the state of Michigan, that's going to start a ripple effect in other states. And they're going to start to realize how powerful the people are and that anyone who loves this country, loves this flag, that's going to take that nonstop action and stand up for the ones who can't stand up for themselves, they can achieve great things too. And that's when we blaze a trail so wide, so big, so full of hope, so full of inspiration that everyone that doubted on us, 
hated on us, threw mud at us, attacked us, they're going to have to humbly follow. And that's how we get our country back, folks, in 2024. We're no longer holding the line. This is a call to action to everyone out there. We're taking back offense, off of lost ground, and we're always going to be on the offensive from here on out. Yeah. No, that's that's absolutely uh, spot on. You are correct. Awesome. Garrett, it was so good having you on. Before we let you go, um, why don't you tell the people what you got going on, where they can volunteer for your campaign, where they can contribute, all that good stuff. Well, thank you, sir. You already mentioned our website, GarrettForMichigan.com. That's two R's, two T's, F-O-R, GarrettForMichigan.com. And yeah, we are we are doing things that's never been done in politics right now. We have a grassroots army that no other campaign has ever had in this type of race. And we're we're that big that my campaign tells me we're big enough for where we should be a month be before the general. And we're we're still seven to eight months out, and our army is that big right now. So we're gonna continue to activate and build that. And that's how we're gonna win this thing is boots on the ground. Um, you can't buy this race. Maybe in other elections, you could buy this by being a self-funder and throwing $10 million of your own money in this thing. Uh, Not this time. There's too many people awake and engaged. What's going to win this thing is having somebody that has integrity, who has proven track record of taking action, who stood up, um, especially for those who haven't stood up for themselves. And so we need your help. We need your boots on the ground. We need your financial skin in the game. That's called commitment. It's not support. When you commit to something, you have skin in the game, and that's what we're looking for. So if you want to be a part of something bigger than self, that's called passion, and that's our campaign. And that's one thing that you're getting with me. My heart, my personality is out of my sleeve, and I will go all out with you if you go all out with me, and that's how we take back this state. Well, brother, your passion and your excitement definitely come through. It's so good to see that in a candidate for governor in the great state of Michigan. Listen, we thank you so much for your time. We appreciate your words uh, coming and sitting down with us, giving us a little bit of information on who you are. And guys, for you, uh, of those listening, all of this will be linked up where anywhere you listen to your podcast, obviously on all social media platforms where you follow us at Dead Men Walking Podcast. You can find us there. This will be linked up if you want to get some more information about Garrett. Garrett, thank you so much for stopping by, brother. Hey, Greg, hi. Can I leave your listeners with one more thing? Absolutely. Go ahead. I want everybody out there to understand, don't you ever think that you can't make a difference. You can. All you have to do is merely muster the courage to stand up. You never know what small act that you may say or do, a hissy video that I did, anything that may change the lives of millions tomorrow. That's how powerful all of you out there are. So don't ever think that you can't make a difference because you can. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Absolutely, guys. And thank you so much for listening. Another one in the books. As always, guys, God bless. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dead Men Walking Podcast for full video podcast episodes and clips or email us at deadmenwalkingpodcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits. Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show, and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pub TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.